So we're going to welcome back to the stage now Andy Smith from Belfast Vineyard. He leads Belfast Vineyard and, and also heads up the whole island movement. So can we give Andy a round of applause when he comes up to speak? So Andy, I was uh, in bed last night um, and uh, this will probably be the last time we have the microphone so I'm just going to go for it. Um, it was one in the morning. Um, and I had three very audible words from God about you and what you're doing, so I'm just going to go for it before you speak. All right. Um, this is not a wind-up? No. Okay, good. All right. So um, I actually thought about you about two weeks ago. I was driving between Waterford and Cork, um, and you were on my heart. Um, we've never properly met properly before, uh, but I was driving um, between the two. It's about an hour and a half between them. I'm sure you've been down that way. Uh And I just thought, God needs to come in this area, in this region, and you came on my heart there. Um, And I just got the sense from God last night that you maybe feel that the pace has been slow over the last year or two, but actually um, you're on the cusp of an incredible wave that's going to break through in Ireland. Um, And he wants to grab grab hold of that, and he's going to take you on a journey. I think the fact that you and Harmony are not from this land is provides incredible privilege and incredible honour to you and I think it's going to be really foreseen in the next 12 months so really don't be despairing on that actually step forward and go for it thank you yeah thank you second word was this there's more yeah oh good second word was this and this is a bit more personal but I'm just going to go for it all right um I think the father just wants you to lower the bar that you set for yourself I think that you set an incredibly high bar for yourself um, and your expectations of yourself are incredibly high and actually Jesus' bar is incredibly low and incredibly wide and I've seen even the last day that you've really stepped into that a bit more but I think he wants to put your foot on the accelerator and really go for it. Get that bar down and he's going to do incredible things to go for that. Don't be afraid. Third word is this. Um... I think the Father's going to communi- want you to communicate beyond church audiences. Um, I think you touched on something yesterday that you're on, uh, that you've really hit on, which resonates in the church, but also out in communities, which is this whole aspect of mindfulness and simplification. And I think that God wants you to write about it, or he wants you to podcast about it, or he wants you to set up an app around it about how people actually tangibly step in and create time in the diaries to do that. And I think just looking around the room yesterday, everyone was really engaged with you on that, but I think it can go far wider than that. So I'd ask you just to push into that as well, because I think that's going to bring real fruit. And that was it. Go for it. Wow. I'm going to join your church, man. (laughs) Ours was snowed off today. Can you believe that? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I couldn't believe it either. Gosh, yeah, Harmon and I were talking about could we retire early and just join you guys. Amazing. The guys in Belfast, they're great. They'll get along fine without us. So, wow. I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful, beautiful church. I just received just, just what they've given me. I just received that, Lord. And we just ask to see your wonders and your goodness in our days, Lord. We're devoted to you. Amen. 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 
Well, yesterday we were, uh, Harmony sends her love, by the way, you're stuck with me, she had, uh, when, when the dates were all changed around due to the snow apocalypse that hit us, um, you know, she had some tonight with our worship tribe, so uh, she sends her love, she absolutely loved being with you last night, as did I, uh, but she just wanted me to make sure I told you how much she loved it and how much she loves you and enjoyed meeting you, so uh, she sends her love. Uh, yesterday we were talking about more of Jesus in me and more of Jesus in worship. We talked from John chapter 15, we talked about abiding or remaining or dwelling in him kind of as a life and how he invites us into that as a, a highest priority and we bear fruit from that place. And um, We said yesterday we should never apologize for fruitfulness. It's the natural byproduct of a life intentionally lived in the care and love and presence of Jesus. He promises us to it. So please, uh, never apologize for fruitfulness in your family. Never apologize for fruitfulness in your church or in your life or in your business or uh, the other things around you. Don't ever apologize for fruitfulness. Uh, fruitfulness uh, is, though, supposed to fill, to spill over. The fruitfulness that we see and that comes from a life of abiding isn't just for us. And it actually isn't just for those around us now, although we certainly should enjoy and, and thank God for the fruitfulness he gives us. We can steward fruitfulness and see it turn into legacy. And legacy is what I want to talk to you about tonight, because it's supposed to be about uh, more of Jesus in our city, right? And um, I just think if you want to see more of Jesus in your city, uh, you need to go for legacies. What I mean by legacy is something like this. Legacies, they're, they're things that are handed down from one generation to the next or from one person or group to another. That could be an amount of money. We're, we're used to like, uh, people passing down um, inheritances and that's you know, money or property or something like that. But it also could be a way of thinking. It could be a culture. It could be values. It could be character. It could be a worldview. It really could be anything. Um, something that someone contends for, fights for, and stewards in such a way that momentum is built around it, and that momentum is passed down to others. And that's what um, legacies or inheritances do. They overflow beyond the original person, and they allow those who come after to walk much easier in something that the founder, the matriarch, the patriarch, or the founder had to fight for. Those that come after them can walk in something far easier because somebody stewarded a legacy. We're wired to think about what we're going to leave behind, what we leave to those who will come after us. We care about what our legacy will be or won't be. And it's common to think about what is built up in and around our lives and then passed on. It's certainly common when we think about money, possessions, property, um, but we can certainly pass on more important things than those as part of our legacy. We could pass on a Legacy of passion for the presence of God. That's what's building here. I just want to say to you, I was worshiping at the front with you, and then I do something that I often do in our own community uh, because it's a joy to my heart. I snuck out to the back and just worshiped and just watched you worship. And I just felt like uh, the Lord was speaking to me, like there's a cork is now out of the bottle in your worship, and there's something new in your worship. And um, I just would say keep contending for that and keep building uh, a legacy. Where's Hannah? Where are you? Oh, there you are. Just, uh, just felt like for you, um, uh, I just saw a spotlight being shone on you, and um, I just feel like the Lord is going to give you a unique voice in worship uh, in the coming days, and I saw like pages and a feather, like a quill, like in the olden days you'd write with, I just saw pages like flying out 
from you. I think you're going to be writing, and I think that your voice is going to be uh, highlighted. Uh, and um, I felt like the Lord saying to you, just, just relax about that. Just watch for him, what he's doing, and opportunities he's giving you, uh, things you're going to write, places you're going to lead. Um, but, but also just be really relaxed. He's really with you. Um, and he's going to bless you in that, and it's going to be an easy yoke and not like a crazy, oh my gosh, spotlight and things like that. You're, he's just really close to you right now, and he's going to really help you steward that. I also saw for your whole community, by the way, um, uh, instead of like um, worship superstars, I saw like collaborative songwriting. Like, you know, when you look up on the screen and it has the who wrote the song and some worship songs have like one name and others don't have like 10. <laughs> you guys are going to like, I just see teams of people all around your community writing worship songs that, that go far and wide. Um, I can't remember what I was talking about. Um, <laughs> legacy. There we go. Common to think about money, but we can pass on other things. We could pass on uh, passion for the presence of God. We could pass on values and see things that then explode in amazing ways in the lives of people that are just even beyond us or come after us. And when we devote ourselves to Jesus, he builds a legacy in us and through us that can spill over and impact many and even cascade through generations. And that's what happens when legacies are positive. And all of us have encountered really positive legacies in one way or another. Maybe it's something passed on through our family, like our parents, grandparents passed down. Maybe you work in a family business that has been built up and stewarded over generations and it's employing hundreds of people in the community and it's just a really positive legacy for you and many others. There's been things in Northern Ireland that have been stewarded. All of us somehow, some way, heard the gospel and responded, right? Because Christians somehow, somewhere, stewarded what Jesus was building in them and then it somehow spilled over and encountered you and you said yes to Jesus. So you've all encountered some kind of positive legacy. But legacies can also be negative. And we've all felt the pain of encountering legacies of brokenness that cascade through generations of families. You wouldn't be asking, can we have more of Jesus in our city if you, this wasn't true? That brokenness can cascade as a legacy. Momentum can be built up around it, and it can be passed down. It's just a negative legacy. There's legacies of hate or sectarianism that divide races and people groups. Legacies that perpetuate cycles of violence that communities and even nations can't find their way out of, and the list could go on and on. Legacies, both positive and negative, build up momentum, and they cascade far beyond us. And here's a sobering thought. We're all building a legacy in our lives, something that we're going to pass on or that we're already passing on in some way, shape, or form. Everyone on earth does that. The question is, what kind of a legacy will yours be? What are we passing down, or what are we preparing to pass down? What are we building, or what are we allowing to be built in our lives that is being given away right now and will cascade far, far beyond us? Are we inviting Jesus into that? Are we thinking John 15? and asking for that kind of legacy to be built in us? Are we inviting him to build legacy through us as individuals and through us as a church and movements of churches? And I would just say again, if you want more of Jesus in your city, steward the fruitfulness of a John chapter 15 life and reach beyond fruitfulness and go for legacy, the legacy that he's building in you as an individual, in your family, and in this beautiful church. It's meant to impact far 
beyond you. To help us talk about this a bit tonight, I want to look at what happened in the life of King David. When he begins to realize that God is present with him and building a legacy that even we today have stepped into and participate in. I'm going to focus in on a tender and complicated time in the history of God's people. It's David's passing on of a legacy of God's presence and worship and leadership and all that God built up in and through him to his son Solomon. And I just want to say that if you as a church begin to think this way, to think about legacy as a whole community, you need to know it's like a, it's like a change of thinking. Legacy thinking asks different kinds of questions than survival thinking. Instead of how can we survive, how can we make it to next year, or how can we win, legacy thinking asks questions like how can we set up those who come after us to thrive? How can we empower those who are going to come after us to go further than we ever did? And those are way different questions. They also cause you to lead and to steward and to pursue life and ministry really differently. You build differently when you're trying not just to succeed yourselves, but you're trying to set up your great-great-grandchildren to flourish. If you want more of Jesus in your city, well, think this way. And let's let David's life provoke us. I'm going to start in First Chronicles chapter 17. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. We'll be there. The words will be up on the screen. Um, we're going to kind of be in First Chronicles and around there, and we'll jump around a couple other places, but that's where, we'll, that's where we'll begin. And as we talk, I'm going to you know, lead you through some things I see in, in, with the David and Solomon and the Lord and legacy, but I'm also going to be dropping in some things I feel that the Lord is speaking to me for you about the legacy you're to steward in your lives and specifically in this church and city. And as always, um, you need to weigh and test those. And your leaders will. And probably next week they'll be like, some of those, yeah, nah. Others, yeah, let's go for it. So just listen to them and everything will be fine. So David, King David, I'm sure you have uh, just, just studied the scriptures extensively about King David. He's a complicated man in the scriptures, we should say. He's a national hero, he's a warrior, he's a worshiper, he's a king, he's a poet. We still read the poetry, the Psalms he wrote. He's a man hungry for God's heart and presence, yet he's a man who sinned greatly, and his sin affected many. His sin affected the whole nation at times. But he knew how to repent, and he knew how to walk humbly with God. He's a man whose family at times was as broken and as dark as it possibly can get. Yet in the end, he's described as a man after God's own heart. A man who in the midst of brokenness cultivated adoration of God, friendship with God, a life of repentance and a life in his presence. And that's really good news because that means there's hope for me. And there's hope for you. And all of this, all of this life that I've kind of just tried to fast forward through, uh, produced a legacy that he was able to pass down. God built something. He built a house for David. He built upon the house of David. He was able to pass it on to his son Solomon and for the nation and beyond. The thing we need to know about David and key to David's life is that it always came back to worship in God's presence. His heart was after God from his anointing from Samuel to the end of his days. After David was settled in his palace, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And 
in this bit of scripture here, we just see this intersection of a life of worship in God's presence and David's concern for that, his high value for that. And he's starting now to think about legacy. He wants God to have a house, a house fitting for who God is. He cares about worship and he cares about the nation. And right now, the ark of God, or the place where God dwelt most intensely amongst the people, uh, the ark of the covenant, the locus of his presence is in a tent. And David wants a proper house of worship that honors God, and so the nation can come to a proper house of worship and worship God. He wants this worship encounter for the nation to be his legacy. He wants the Lord God Almighty to be worshipped and honored at the center of national life. And he wants to be the man to do it. And he doesn't want to live above God, him in a palace, God in a tent. The passage goes on to say, but that night the word of God came to Nathan the prophet saying, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, you are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. And God says, sorry, it's not for you. I know it's in your heart, but this isn't for you to do. The prophet goes on speaking the words of the Lord, he says, I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you. When your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. You want to build me a house? No. I'm actually going to build you a house. You want to build me a temple for worship now? I'm going to give you a legacy of worship and my presence for generations. And this is how God works. When we submit to him, when we seek his face, When we abide in him, he builds things in our lives that overflow far beyond us, beyond what we could understand or ask or imagine. I'm amazed at David's response. He's just got such a humble, humble posture. 1 Chronicles 17, 16. Then King David went in. He's got the news. It's not going to be him. The thing that is his heart that he wants most of all, it's not going to be him. So then King David went in and sat before the Lord. See his value on presence? He goes and sits in the presence of the Lord. And he said, Who am I, Lord God, and what is my family that you've brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, my God, you have spoken about the future of the house of your servant. You, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him. So your servant has found courage to pray to you. You, Lord, are God. You've promised these good things to your servant. He responds in worship and faith. He enters into God's presence. And part of a humble posture that is so often forgotten, he simply believes God. Like no excuses. No, oh, I could never really do that. Are you sure? Oh gosh, I'm terrible. I'm a worm. I couldn't possibly. He just, he just acts in true humility, not false humility, and he just believes God. And he gets on with it. And he acts in faith. He prepares for his son to be on the throne. And he provides resources. He prepares for a legacy to be built. What's God building in your life right now? What is he preparing in you that's supposed to reach beyond you? What are you asking for? What if it's actually like David? What if it's actually a deep desire in your heart, that thing that you would give anything to see? What if God says, here's how it's going to go? It's a dream of yours. And you're going to help. You're going to be there at the start. 
It'll overflow from your life. But those after you are really going to see it. You're going to sacrifice it for it. You're going to desire it deeply. You're going to give your life and resources for it. But you're not going to see it in its fullness. What if it's that? That's really hard. And the temptation is, and we see this time and time again in our culture, the temptation is, well, if I'm not going to see it, then I'm not going to do it. And the temptation is to hold back and live disappointed when we realize that we actually have limits on our life. And we're not going to see all of our dreams. And so we stop working for legacy. We circle the wagons and live disappointed. And you all can think of examples of that in our life and culture today. And maybe even in your own life where you've done that. What if it's not supposed to be that way? What if God plants things in us that we're never going to see? But we will empower others to see in their day and in their time things that they will never be able to do without us, but we will never see. Are we up for that? More of Jesus in your city is a really good thing. I think you have a chance to contend for that now, but also to do some things that generations after you, people that you've never met, will be able to access. Things that you have to fight for will become normal in their lives. And you won't see it except with the prophetic eyes of your heart and with faith. I think maybe that's the way it's supposed to work. Are any of you in that really painful place right now? And what he's asking of you, what he's planting in you, asking you to give yourself to that you'll never see the fullness of? Will you step out tonight from the place of frustration into the place of joy? And will you let King David's humility lead you on the path to joy? At what God might do as we pour out our lives before him. All right. Well, it's getting interesting. David actually does something extraordinary. He doesn't just receive this prophetic word and agree to it and pray a nice prayer and then put it on the shelf and forget about it. He actually does things. He takes action to ensure legacy. What does he do? What does he do? Well, he prepares, he plans, he does simply everything he could possibly do to ensure the success of his son and future generations. He made it his mission, his obsession, even though he knew he was never going to see it. He'd never lay his eyes on the temple. First Chronicles 22.5, he says, My son Solomon is young and he's inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. Even though it was in his heart to build it, it was his dream. It was so much his dream that even when the Lord spoke and says, it's not you, it's your son, he just then switches gears and he makes plans for the son to succeed, that the nation might worship for generations. It was in his heart, so he acts. What's in your heart? 
If you don't know, if you hear me talking about legacy and you're like, I have no idea. Would you spend some time flowing out of this weekend thinking and praying and dreaming about that? What's in your heart for your family or your future family? What's in your heart for your city? What's in your heart for your church? What's in your heart for your business? What's in your heart for Northern Ireland? What's in your heart for the nations? A great clue is just to allow yourself to daydream. Like, I would love to see this. I would give myself to that. Like, somebody ought to do this. Another great clue is what's in your family? What do you already see cascading down in your family that might be on you? What are the themes that keep showing up in your life? You know, for Harmony and I, we said yesterday that you know, intimacy with Jesus and, and pursuit of the presence of Jesus and worship and contending for legacy, those are themes that just always show up in our lives. That means there's legacy there. Another clue is what do you see in your city that needs to change? What do you see in your city or your church or in the lives of your friends that breaks your heart that you say somebody ought to do something about that? Years ago, I had a dear friend. We were at the Evanston Vineyard, and it's a precious time. The power of the Lord was moving. Um, and there were just church planters everywhere. And, uh, um, and it was just an amazing time. But my friend George, George, George Polcaster, he's from uh, kind of just blue-collar Chicago, and um, from a neighborhood called Downers Grove. And um, he had zero interest in being a church planter. But he loved Jesus a lot, and he loved his friends. And he was still in contact with his friends kind of from secondary school. And um, he would go back and hang out with his parents on Sunday evening. He'd hang out with all the guys from the old neighborhood. And they'd hang out, and they all got married and had kids, and they just had no relationship with Jesus whatsoever. And it began to really break his heart. At one point, he was driving back to... um, to where we were doing church in Evanston near Chicago and he's driving back from Downers Grove and he's on the motorway and he just began to weep and sob and he began to pray out, God, send somebody. Somebody ought to do something about that. My friends, they don't know Jesus. Somebody needs to plant a vineyard church in Downers Grove, Illinois and he was just hammering the gates of heaven. And then he felt the Lord speak to him. Why don't you do something about that? And if he thought his heart was broken before, his heart broke again, and he ended up planting a vineyard in Downers Grove, Illinois, because God was building something in his life, and he finally found his cause that could spill over into legacy. I, would, I, just, I just would urge you, in these passages of Scripture I'm going over with you, you hear the phrase over and over, it was in my heart to do it, from David. And that's just not a warm, fuzzy thought. That led David to real action in the real world. David then went and did things. What's in your heart to do? That's a clue for legacy. So what did David do? What did he store up and pass on? I want to run through a couple really quickly. Uh, First is treasure. He paid for it. If you go through 1 Chronicles 22, I'm not going to go through all of it right now, but you see all the things that David provided. It says he appointed stone cutters to prepare dressed stone for the building of the house of God. He provided a large amount of iron to make nails for the doors of the gateways and for the fittings, more bronze than could be weighed. He also provided more cedar logs than could be 
counted. And then it says in verse 14, he says, I have taken great pains, this is David speaking, I have taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron, too great to be weighed, and wood and stone. And he's standing in front of the leaders of the nation, his rich friends. And he says to them, and you may add to them. And when you're the king, and the king stands in front of him and says, and you may add to them, it's really not a may. It's a you're gonna, because I'm the boss. Something can't be in your heart without it costing you money. Money follows your heart, and your heart follows your money. That's why tithing is such a dynamically powerful thing in the lives of people who love and worship God. See, David's been preparing. This is not a flash in the pan. This is a faith-filled vision from God that he goes after, and he sacrifices for, and he spends real money. And I just wanted you to think about generosity and legacy in this place here for a moment. Many, many people have moved towards you and are going to be moving towards you, and you have a chance to see more of Jesus impacting your city. You have a chance to leave personal legacy and a church legacy in this place, and generosity financially can unlock things quickly. And so often legacy or inheritances are financial, and they allow those who come after the founder to go further, faster, and easier. And I would invite you to continue to be generous as you make room for more here. I always tell my church that one of the reasons I give and I tithe to the vineyard in Belfast is that somebody paid for me to hear about Jesus. Once upon a time, somebody tithed, somebody gave, somebody paid for buildings, they paid for programs, they paid the light bill, they paid for toner and the photocopier, they paid for multiple services, they paid for staff. The list goes on and on, and somebody paid for me to hear about Jesus and encounter his presence. I've benefited from a legacy, so I want to be part of it with all I have. And legacies aren't our legacy until we have skin in the game. And we're invested, even with our money. And as you dream about this, let David's example fill you and fuel your generosity. He spared no expense to set his son up and the nation up for worship because he knows it's not just my kid and doing right by him. It's the Lord building a legacy for the nation and beyond. And financial generosity is a huge key. And as you go for multiple services, as you go for the city, prepare to give and give with joy. What else does he pass on? He passes on goodwill or maybe we would say equity. He just gives it all away. Chapter 22, verse 17, David ordered all the leaders of Israel to help his son Solomon. He tells his leaders, he's already told them, to, you need to give your money. Now he tells them, give your heart to Solomon. I imagine there was pain in the hearts of David's leaders. David's dying. They know there's change happening and change coming. Would they have the same place and influence under Solomon that they had with David? Probably not. Would their unique contribution to the kingdom be honored and respected in the same way as it was with David? As they made room for Solomon, they were probably asking, is there still room for me? And David says, I'm asking you to do this. He lends Solomon his equity and goodwill, and he tells his leaders, back this. Because it's about way more than just us. 
get behind it. What was probably in their hearts is the pain of expansion and growth. And you guys have grown and are growing, and that is wonderful. It's also hard. As you make room for more, some of you are going to be confronted with similar questions. There's lots of change. There's going to be lots of new people. Do I still fit here? Have I lost my place? We all can't fit into Mark and Yvette's sitting room or Andy and Dana's kitchen anymore. Have I lost my place? See, I know that this is true because I've lived through this in our church. Our church grew, and it was wonderful. It was also incredibly painful. And some people left because it was painful for them. It was painful for me. People that I sat with and we prayed together, we agreed before the Lord, oh God, stretch out your hand and grow our church. We prayed for that together. And when God answered the prayer, it was painful. And we left looking at each other like, why is this so hard? It's because we have to change. We have to make room for more. If that's you, if that's in your heart, you're not a bad person. So give yourself a break. I get to set my bar lower, so can you. I would just say, look, be honest. Don't, don't bury pain. It'll just leak and be toxic. So be honest. But also perhaps think legacy. And what if God is asking you to serve the legacy he wants to build that will impact generations? And I think you need to talk in healthy and appropriate ways about your feelings. I think you need to get some prayer. You need to process your pain but you also need to reach for more. See, hard does not equal bad. Often hard means worth it. I want you to notice something really quickly. First Chronicles 22.5 My son Solomon is young and inexperienced. I want to talk to you if you're my age and older. I'm about to turn 43. I know I don't look it, but I am. I just want to say to you, there's a lot of younger leaders around here. And I just want to say to you, back them. Indulge them at times. Help them. Sacrifice for them. Help them go further, faster than you did. Give them what you wish you had. See, so often it doesn't happen because we get threatened. And we want what we want or what we think we deserve instead of releasing a legacy. See, David had to release it to a younger leader. David did whatever he could to pass on a legacy. And sometimes we have to let go of control and always having it right in our own So if you're my age and older, this inflection point for Ligon Valley Vineyard, would you just decide you're going to do that? It's hard. I know it's hard because I'm there right now. If you're my age or younger, I want to talk to you. If you read David's stuff here, He's got to release his son, but he uses words like, 
I'm going to make preparations. He kind of looks like he's meddling. He's that older leader who just can't let go. He wants to tell the younger leader, all right, son, let me show you how it's done. And yeah, 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 nice try. Let the pros handle it, right? And you can even probably feel, if you are a younger leader, you can probably, come on, let him have a go. I want to have a go. I just would say to you, to receive a legacy, you have to be part of the house, which means you need to honor those who have come before you or you don't get to receive. Solomon had a choice to receive a legacy or live like an orphan. And so do you. See, I just see a legacy here for you guys in leadership that is unique where you have a community of elders who are joyfully blessing and serving and who are miraculously able to follow younger leaders who are just learning how to lead. But I also see younger leaders embracing, not rejecting their elders' wisdom and honoring them and doing this kind of hand-in-hand. I think it's unusual, unfortunately, but I think it's powerful, multi-generational leadership in your community and your culture. What if that became part of the legacy you passed down in Lagan Valley Vineyard? What else does he pass on really quickly? Plans. He actually gives plans. Um, ah, 1 Chronicles 22, verses 12 and 19. He gave him, Solomon, the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord and all the surrounding rooms. All this, David said, I have in writing as a result of the Lord's hand on me, and he enabled me to understand all the details of the plan. The Spirit of God gave David the plans for the temple and he wrote it down and he gave it to his son. He spoke to him on design and architecture. And we don't have time to get into this. I kind of talked about it yesterday with the training manual. Uh, if you don't remember, you had to be there. Um, but he just gives it to Solomon, but God gave it to him in the secret place. And if you're here and you lead in business, you lead in politics, you lead in health, you lead in education, you lead in church, you're dealing with complicated stuff. God told David how to build it. Ask him how you should build what he's given you. Spend time in his presence. Got to move a bit quicker here. Sorry, it's like drinking from a fire hose tonight, but that's okay. Uh, David's secret or the, the real legacy that gets passed down. So David passes down you know, plans and equity and money, right? But he doesn't just pass on that stuff. Um, his real legacy is to pass on to his son how to walk as a man after God's own heart, how to live in the presence of God and how to steward that for the nation. So here's what he does. He gathers the nation and he gathers Solomon and he gets Solomon up in front of them and he charges Solomon and he gives him his secret. First Chronicles 28. So now I charge you in the sight of all Israel and of the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. 
For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So he gives his son a charge or a command in public. I love you, son. I am for you, son. I have done all I can for you. I've sacrificed. I expect something of you. Continue on as I have done, but take it further and reach for something. The first thing he gives him is he tells him he's a steward. Uh, Verse 8 He says to pass it on. Pass it on. Be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God and pass it on as an inheritance. So he's telling them, you're a steward. Your goal is to pass it on. Legacy can be passed on to others and should be passed on to others. Live in such a way that you can steward what God is doing in our family. That's what he's saying to his son. And pass it on. He's telling him it's about something much bigger than him and how he can consume, and how can he can live the good life as king. See, we live differently when we know that we're stewards, and we live really differently when we know we're stewarding a legacy of the presence of God and worship. So will you as a vineyard engage with that for your families, for your church, and the city? And do the choices you're making right now as individuals and leaders and servants prioritize the legacy Jesus wants to build through your life? What decisions, what responses do you need to make today? What battles do you need to fight today so your children, your grandchildren, many, many others can stand upon and access the legacy that God is building so that they can do greater things in the kingdom than we could ever do? What do you need to do now so that that can happen later? What can only you do now? He also commands them to acknowledge or worship or honor God first. Live a life of worship, wholehearted devotion. I love this bit. He says, with a willing mind. For all of you who love to think and study and ask questions, the Lord loves a mind devoted to him. He also tells Solomon, the Lord searches the heart. He's telling him, keep yourself pure. He's telling him from experience. Remember that thing with Bathsheba? He's telling him from experience that holiness adorns the house of the Lord and purity matters. If we expect to know him and live in his tangible presence. He also tells him to seek him and he will be found. This is presence language. If you're hungry for him, if you're attentive to him, if you prioritize worship, if you prioritize his presence, it will go well. If you forsake him, not well. And David knows this the hard way, but he always found a way back to the Lord in humility and repentance. Above all, I think he's trying to tell Solomon, and he's trying to tell us. It's not about doing everything right. It's about cultivating the right heart. If you hear anything tonight, God builds a legacy upon us and upon our hearts. Way back, when David was anointed king by Samuel, 1 Samuel 16. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He's trying to tell Solomon, I know that this is true. It's about your heart. What's in your heart to pass on? Are we cultivating a holy hunger for more of God that sustains us and will sustain all who come after? 
a hunger for the presence and life of the living God. What spiritual things, what resources, what kind of life, what kind of wisdom trajectory are you cultivating? And what is God building there and wanting to pass on that will bear fruit in the lives of those who are around you now and who will come after you? A couple of things, I think, for your community. You need to weigh and test these. First is, I think there's a legacy of intercession in this house. I've heard this teaching uh, lately where we're so focused on the city and going for it and doing it. We don't got time to pray, and we're just going to accept that people have been praying for Ireland for like a thousand years, and there's enough prayers built up in the prayer tank that we're just going to trade on that, and we're going to go for it. And I love the heart behind it, because it's like we can't just sit and pray and hope somebody does something. Like We need to pray and then go do something, right? Do what the Lord tells us to do. So I, I, I get it. I get why people say that. But here's the deal. You don't see that in the Bible, Read the New Testament. You see the church when it doesn't know what to do, when it's afraid, when it's under threat, when it's just together, it prays, Lord, stretch out your hand and do things. And that's intercession. So I believe there's a legacy of intercession for you. We said last night there's some things in your city, some strongholds in your city that will only come down as you worship. There's also some things in your city that will only come down through intercession. You're going to have seasons of spiritual warfare. I'm sorry to tell you that the kingdom ground you're winning will be contested. And you've already tasted pain and sorrow and heartbreak as a community where it felt like the devil took some ground back. You'll need seasons of deep intercession. And then the Lord will visit you. You'll need seasons of prayer. And fasting. And I think there's a legacy there for you. And you get to decide what that looks like. It doesn't have to look like maybe it looked like in our grandparents' generation. You get to decide what that looks like. But I think it's there for you. I think there's a legacy of you guys not just living John chapter 15 lives of abiding and then fruitfulness and dwelling in the presence of Jesus. I think there's a, a legacy for you where you disciple other people into that. Like actually everybody who walks through these doors. They, they are invited into David's legacy was an abiding life legacy. And God has that for you, and you have it as a gift to your city. And so I think, again, it doesn't have to look like your grandparents' generation, but I think there's a, there's a legacy of discipleship and teaching people how to live in the love and care of the Lord Jesus and to bear fruit from that place, safe and secure in his love. There's a legacy there for you. We've already talked that there's a legacy for you in worship, so I won't say any more about that. There's a legacy for you of purity and holiness, and not in a religious kind of way, but in a serious way, where you push for purity everywhere. There's a legacy in kids and youth. And I would just say, if you're going to reach for legacy at all, if you're even going to say the word legacy, you've got to resource your kids' teams and your youth teams. And I know that you do. And I know that you care deeply. I just think there's another level of growth coming for you as a church, which means another level of doing that. And I also think, like all the stuff I'm laying out as legacy, and there's more. There's more in your hearts. I just think that makes this gathering, what we would call Sunday church, hugely important. 
Because you are made to go out into your city and, and, and see salvation and victory and transformation. Absolutely. Don't hear me saying anything else. But do not lose the importance of coming together for worship and prayer and intercession and the scriptures and community. It is going to be vital. It is going to be where you are filled up again. It is where vision is going to be renewed. It is where passion is going to be renewed. It is where a commitment to legacy is renewed over and over and over again. In a culture that even in a Christian culture that is in a growing way seeing church as optional, make it vital. Just make that your culture. Whether I feel like getting my backside out of bed or not, I'm here. Because whether I can feel it or not, I know it is important. And I need to be here. So don't fall into the temptation of seeing this as optional. It's vital. And from this place, then go out and serve your city. Moving on to Solomon. I am coming in for a landing. Don't fret. Here's the real test. How does it go? So David, he's given it all. How's it go? How did it go for Solomon? Well, that's a complicated question. See, early on, he does really well. He takes the legacy passed on to him from his father, and he stewards it greatly. He even passes some some tests. You see in 1 Kings 3, the Lord visits Solomon in a dream. And he asks him, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want. Just ask me. And Solomon says this, Now, Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people, and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? So God reaffirms in a dream the legacy, ask me for whatever I want, I'll give it to you. And Solomon asks for wisdom. And God's impressed. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administrating justice, I will do what you've asked, and I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. And then we see in the scriptures, it says, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. All the kings of the earth sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. And you can see in the scriptures on your own time his astounding wealth and wisdom. Solomon's answer here tells me he listened to David and has his legacy operating really well. He understands who he is and what he already carries. He understands that wealth is really God's, so he doesn't ask for that. And he learned that from David. In one of David's prayers, he prays out, Lord, everything comes from you. And Solomon must have heard him. And so he doesn't ask for wealth, because he knows it all belongs to God anyway. He understands that God is with him, and he understood that from David. So he doesn't ask for the death of his enemies. 
because he knows that God's with him. But he knows from David, he was charged by David, that you're there to prosper, and you're there to lead the people, and you're there to steward a legacy. So what he asks for is wisdom to continue the legacy, and that pleases God's heart. And the nation does well. It's a high point of the kingdom. God makes Solomon great, and he gives him everything he didn't even ask for. Do you know what you carry? Do you know what you don't even need to ask God for? Do you know what you already have access to that you don't even need to strive for? And Solomon does build the temple, and he does dedicate it. He follows David's example completely. He does it right. Everything's done properly. And the presence of the Lord dwelt there, and the nation worshipped. The famous passage that we sing about in a Matt Redmond song where the presence of God comes, they're sacrificing thousands of animals, the extravagance in worship is just mind-blowing, and the presence of God comes, and the priests were overwhelmed, and God descends into the temple. He did pretty good. But Solomon didn't prove to always be a faithful steward of his father's legacy. And the number one thing that got him was success. He had this massive legacy in God from David. And he had the momentum of God with him. And he grew rich. And he grew popular. And influential. And powerful. And the nation was at peace, led by a man of wisdom. And he lost his hunger. And he lost his focus. And he forgot that it's all from the hand of the Lord. And he forgot his legacy. First Kings 11, Solomon grew old. His wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his father, had been. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, done, had done. And it goes on to list the idols that all of a sudden... Solomon woke up one day worshiping idols on the hills of Israel instead of the one true God. Success is so often our greatest threat. Solomon believed his own press, maybe. He relied on his wisdom gift instead of cultivating character, gifting before character. He let somehow let us Hunger for the finer things in life displaced his hunger for the presence of the living God. He lost sight of the legacy he was to pass down and he took things for granted and he forgot David's words to him, which were, and you, my son Solomon, if you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. And we probably can write the script, right? We probably said some things that were in Solomon's heart. Like, I can handle it. I can handle it. I'll worry about worship later. I'll abide later. I'm a success. God's blessing me. He can't be mad. He's still blessing me. Look at all the stuff I got. I'm popular. I'm the wisest man ever. And I still have my gift. So God's still behind me. This will never stop. 
And Solomon grew less and less devoted and lots of little no's and lots of little compromises turned into some pretty big no's and some pretty big compromises. And again, until he ends up ignoring the legacy and direct charge of David, his father, and he finds himself worshiping idols on the hills of Israel. And it leads to years and years of evil and turmoil and wickedness and disaster and destruction and then exile for the nation. Are we cultivating a life with Jesus that doesn't just get us through hardship but survives success? Or do we grow comfortable as a family or as an individual or as a church or as a follower of Jesus? Forgetting the basics, not abiding, assuming the presence will always be there. The momentum that we're tasting now, he's, he's with us. Look at all these people. It's going to be great. How could this be bad? It's just going to keep going. Well, the truth is it probably won't if we're forgetting to abide. And legacy isn't built when we're coasting. God builds a legacy, and it's all grace. But we are to be full of faith and devoted to him as we seek to reach for a future that's beyond us. We need to stay hungry for the presence. We need to pass that on. We need to stay humble and continually believing God and doing what he says and leaning into legacy with humility and passion and purpose. And I just want to get pretty real right now. And if you're offended by what I'm going to say, I'm sort of sorry. You guys are incredible people. You've got brilliant leaders, and you've got brilliant servants, and everything in between. And you've got momentum. And the Lord's goodness and fruitfulness and his favor is upon you. And listen, you've stewarded well, and you're contending for legacy. And I commend you, and I bless you. So I'm not about to rain on your parade here. But I just felt like this bit's really important for you. Because your challenge isn't going to be, will this thing ever get off the ground? Like we have no clue what we're doing. And we don't even have a prayer of influencing the car park, let alone Lisper. That's not your challenge. Your challenge is surviving success. Never stop seeking God in his presence. Never stop pursuing a John chapter 15 life as individuals and as a corporate body. Have that, insist, guard that as like a culture that just soaks into everything here. And here's something else. Find obscure places to serve. Find hidden places to serve. Find a secret place personally and as a community, find a secret place of service. See, I just see you taking intentional decisions as individuals in a church to do things most big churches wouldn't do because it's like not the right progression. It's not even, it doesn't even appear to be the smart progression, but you're going to take it because it's like the Lord's wisdom to steward a culture and steward a legacy. And I really don't think the favor is going to stop. It's actually you going to favor as you serve in obscurity, to worship in secret, to find ways as individuals and a church to keep your hearts abiding even when you're living in success and favor. 
You have had, and you will have even more, smart, important, famous people coming here to talk to you, to learn from you, to promote you as a church. You're going to be shouted about in a good way around the place. And rightly so. And it's favor, and it's great. Again, never apologize for fruitfulness. But to guard your hearts, find people and places that don't care about that. And, and go serve them. Find secret places to serve. I actually saw just a legacy in you where you're serving the poor. And I know that's on your heart, and you've done that incredibly well so far. I just think there's way more. Go sit with people that don't know your name, and they don't care about a stage. Get low with the poor. And I know you already prioritized this, so I'm preaching to the choir. The other space I just saw prophetically where there's a legacy and an antidote to some of the things that got Solomon for you as a community is the persecuted church. I had the privilege of traveling uh, in a, can't really say country because it's being recorded, but let's just say it's a country where it's illegal to be a Christian. And I met with the underground church and underground pastors who they're just under severe threat for their lives. And what was amazing to me is how useless I was. Because they're just not asking any of the questions I'm asking. They don't care about stages or sound systems or words on the screen or apps. or They don't care about any of that. And they're just under threat and they're meeting and they're praying and they're sharing the gospel with courage with their friends even though it could land them in prison or worse. Like, they're just there. And my, you know, pity party for myself that we don't have a church building yet is just not even on their radar. And the fact that I get to speak at church weekends, like, who cares? What's a church weekend? I just see you intentionally pursuing relationships like that and just really serving and the Lord preserving his favor as you go low and walk in humility and you find the secret places to serve. So I just give that to you to weigh and test. Last thing, and we're done. Solomon didn't make it. And the legacy of that cascaded through for generations of brokenness, pain, and strife. But you need to understand something that God is faithful and when he promises something, he delivers. And we mentioned earlier, right at the start of the talk, that each one of us has actually embraced and experienced the legacy of God through David. We've accessed it. See, as Solomon squandered it, the people of God, again, were led into times of trouble and strife and disaster. But then, the prophets began to cry out. Prophet Amos speaks the words of the Lord and he says, and one day I will restore David's fallen tent. And then the prophet Jeremiah, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord our righteous Savior. And then 
the very first verse of the very first book of the New Testament. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. The legacy of the goodness of God did indeed cascade through the generations of David's house, just as he promised. And one greater than David, the promised king came, born of a virgin, in the city of David. And it is he who we hope in. It's he who we worship and who we run to. It's Jesus. We place our hope and our faith and our trust in him. We reach for more of him in our own lives, more of him in our worship as we abide and pursue him. Let's steward fruitfulness for legacy in our families, in our church, in our city, in our island. And a huge part of your legacy here is to bear witness to his resurrection and his reality as we love and serve and as you love and serve your city. I believe you have a legacy of salvation here. You'll lead many to Christ so they may build legacy that spills over into their families and the generations after them. I have lots of faith for you that a kingdom legacy is just going to overflow beyond you and influence your families. It's going to influence things in this church for generations. It's going to influence this city for years and years to come. It's actually going to influence this island. It's going to influence many, many others for Jesus' sake and to his glory, even those you don't know and those you'll never meet. What might be built in and through your life and your leadership and your legacy? He's faithful. He was faithful to David, and he'll be faithful to you. And he'll be faithful to Lagan Valley Vineyard. If you pursue him, legacy beyond what you can imagine will come. I'm going to close with this, and then we'll pray for one another. This Christmas, um, we meet in school. So over Christmas, it's closed. And uh, so I had a little time on my hands. And uh, I was driving through the city. And uh, as you know, we're on a building hunt. And so I was actually grumpy praying. I called it intercession. I was really just moaning. Um, driving through the city. And I just felt like I noticed every, like, every church building. Like there's, I'm sure it's like this here, but in Belfast, like every time you turn around, there's another church building. And I was like, Lord, you give buildings to them, and you give buildings to them, and you give warehouses to them, and you don't give anything to me. You know? And I felt the Lord speak to me really, really clearly. I felt like he showed me a skyline of Belfast with all the steeples and the churches of all different shapes and sizes and colors. And he said, I want to show you something. And he said, each of these represents a legacy that's been stewarded through the generations. A legacy of goodness and worship. And you think about passing on a legacy, will you receive a legacy with honor? And quit mocking and quit complaining and honor the legacy that's been passed down. This is now your time. What are you going to do with it? They've stewarded something. What are you going to do? And I began to talk to my church about that. And I began to use this phrase with them. It's time to adult. Because I don't know about you, but 
You know, I know what it's like to just wake up and one day and you still feel 18 on the inside and like the world is your oyster. But then you wake up and realize, I'm married and got a couple of kids and a pension and how did this happen? I don't feel like an adult and I just want to leave it to the people in front of me. Well, there's not anybody in front of you. And it's time to adult. And it's time to carry legacy. And there's been a legacy of faith and goodness in this place, in this city, in Northern Ireland, on this island. And we can mock certain aspects of it and say certain people failed or didn't do good enough or something like that, but the truth is we need to face up the fact that it's our time to steward a legacy for us personally, for us as churches, and to steward it with legacy and or to steward it with honor and grace and wisdom. And so before we promote ourselves as the smartest kids in the class, we need to have humility with this and receive what's been passed to us and prepare to give it away after we'd steward it with the best wisdom we have and the most generosity we can muster and the greatest passion for Jesus and his presence. So I want to invite you to stand. And again, I don't mean to rain on your parade, but it's like a sober time. Because I really feel, as I've said, as this is an inflection point for you. And I just feel like there's some of us here, before the band starts playing, I just feel like there's some of us here where you just haven't been able to go all in on faith, all in with life and all in with life with Jesus, and you haven't been able to go all in with life here at Lagan Valley Vineyard and with like leadership and serving because there's been dark things in your story in the past. You need to know that David's life was complicated, but God built legacy. So I feel like tonight there's an invitation for you to lay down uh, the past, to stop being a prisoner to the past, and you have freedom to contend for legacy. He can do the same for you as he did for David. Others of you, you are deeply concerned about your family because the legacy you've tasted in your family has been bitter. And I believe that tonight the Lord wanted to impart spiritual power and revelation to you about how to begin today to build a different legacy in your family for those that will come after you. And you're going to fight some battles today for those who come after you. Holy Spirit, would your presence come? Lord, all those things we mentioned that are legacies you're establishing in this house, just pray all around the room you begin to fan into flame. 
There's one that I didn't get to mention, but there's a legacy of prophets here. So if you desire to hear the Lord's voice in a greater measure for the benefit of others, would you just raise your hand? Or if that's part of the ministry you already kind of occupy? Holy Spirit, come. Open their ears. Just bless you to receive a prophetic voice and a prophetic mantle. So there's a prophetic legacy, a legacy of prophets in this community. Anything I have in this area, I ask, Lord, that you take it and you place it on these people and give them a double portion. Release the prophets, Lord. Release the prophets. Open their mouths to prophesy. Speak through them and unlock things for individuals. Unlock things for people in workplaces and on the streets. Unlock things for people here in this community. Let your mantle come. Let your anointing come. Just call out the prophets. We call out the intercessors. Those who, the cry of what the Lord needs to do, what just resonate in you. Like you can't, you gotta, it's like burning like a fire. Lord, let the fire out. We bless you to cry out in the secret place. We bless you to come up with creative ways to invite the entire church, the entire community into intercession. feel like there's a legacy. If you, if you are part of a family business or you're like first generation carving it out and your dream is, I want the business to go to my daughter, my son, my, would you just raise your hands? So if you've like tasted this and you're passing it on or you're like, I'm starting this. Lord, let your power come. Let your wisdom come. We pray for just what you gave David. You gave him plans. Give them plans. Give them favor. Give them prosperity. I pray for these businesses to grow large and prosperous, to benefit whole communities of people. I pray for these men and women that they would steward resources really wisely. I pray that you burn David's example into their heart, that there's going to be a time when you pay with joy and you set future generations up for success. So give them plans, give them revelation, give them resources, give them favor. And I just bless you to go for legacy as individuals. Some of you, I just feel like you're, you're like, that's great for Andy Masters. I'm just me. I just break the lies of the enemy. And I just ask Holy Spirit that legacy would be planted in every heart, every heart. I pray that it would impact streets and families. For those who have had a bitter experience of legacy, Lord, would you turn mourning to dancing? Would you empower them spiritually now, all around the room, with vision and hope 
and purpose and increased faith and power to take a stand and to reverse the legacy. And the things that have been stolen from them, may they be paid back in full, double portion. Release spiritual power. Release vision. Release hope. And for those who are disqualifying themselves because there's been hard things in their story or things they're not proud of, we just break the power of canceled sin. We just implore you to believe the gospel. And if God calls David a man after his own heart, after what he did and allowed to happen, he will surely receive you and bless you and invite you into a life of legacy. Just feel like you need to hear. Maybe it means you've got wisdom because you've been around a few corners and repented and are pursuing Jesus. So step into legacy and step out from underneath false guilt from sin that has already been confessed and forgiven and get released into a new destiny. So Lord, pour out your spirit on your people. Just bless this church as individuals and as a body to go for an outrageous legacy. And I pray that they would just dream and dream and dream and pioneer incredible things. But I pray that generation after generation after generation would taste the goodness of what you're planting tonight. And I pray for their hearts that they get low and serve steward success. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Can we worship just for a minute? And then we'll invite people forward for prayer for anything you might want. So one of the things we needed to do was to make some sort of response that this is the kind of life we're going to go for. We're going to go for a John chapter 15 kind of life. And we're going to go for more in worship. We're going to go for more of Jesus in our city and we're going to pursue legacy. So I just felt like I was to invite you if you want to do that. And I'm like, your leaders can't see you, only I can see you. So, you know, if you're still thinking about it, that's fine. Like, nobody's taking attendance. Give the opportunity to just raise your hand. Like, I'm in. Like, I'm all, I know you do all in, but this is kind of all, all in, I guess. Or all in for the next step. So if you want to raise your hand, I'm just going to charge you and bless you to go for this. And if you want to do the Northern Ireland like a little bit raised, that's fine too. Jesus can see that. So. Holy Spirit, come. As your church just commits, would your presence fall all around the room? Would you impart courage? impart wisdom and revelation? Would you impart even things they're not even asking for? Just with any authority that I have, I charge you, in view of the Lord Jesus Christ and of his kingdom, to abide in him, 
bear fruit from that place. I charge you to live in his presence and to worship him passionately. And I charge you, steward the fruitfulness and the dreams he's planting in your heart into legacy. Give all you can to see it cascade through the generations to people you'll never know and never meet. I charge you and I bless you to be faithful unto the Lord Jesus in this place. And I bless you to have exponential legacy. So come Holy Spirit and fill and bless your people. So now receive more of the Holy Spirit. Receive his resources. Receive his vision, his clarity for your life. Strengthen families. Strengthen hearts. Bless them, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
into our lives. Would you give us the eyes to see you already there? like this where we're supposed to have like a really big song and kind of end on a like but it just uh, feels kind of different and um, what, what we'd love to do is uh, if, if you want prayer for something we'd love to pray for you the band are going to continue to play it would be totally remiss of me to kind of finish our, our weekend without just saying a couple of uh, thank yous and um, weren't Simon and Ali amazing weren't they amazing Yeah, I, I thought you guys have just led us unbelievably well, and um, what a, what a privilege it is to have you part of our family. And we love your families, and we love who you are. Um, what you guys won't know, right, is that uh, Josh, who's been doing the PowerPoint for the last couple of days, has appeared like he's had a script, right? For most of it, if you're following along, it's like cues are perfect, or like he got the PowerPoint last week and has been prepared. He's literally got the PowerPoint like half an hour before Annie arrived and has uh, just done the most phenomenal job helping Andy and us. And uh, we're going to hear more of Josh's story in, in a few weeks. But Josh, we love that you're a part of our family. And we love how you serve us. Um, if you look back from time to time when he's doing words, you catch him like lost in worship. It's the only time he misses a slide. Because he's worshiping Jesus. I love that. Um, uh, what you won't have seen either is the amount of work Sophie and Laura and Kayla put into how things looked and appeared yesterday. And I mean, one of the saddest moments was they spent like an age on a table plan for dinner last night. And then the snow kind of ruined our plans. Um, but can you guys just thank Laura and Sophie and Kayla and Josh and Michael and all of the unseen servants that make this possible. And it's been incredibly appropriate that uh, James and Hannah and the band have got uh, tons of attention this weekend. We are so unbelievably blessed by uh, these people. And they, uh, the thing I love about um, our worship community is it's absent of ego. It's the most beautiful thing. And uh, he built it. I love that. I love it. I love it. And um, Andy and uh, Harmony, hear us in your spirit. I don't know if that's possible, but um, we love following you guys. We'd follow you anywhere. We tell 
everyone we meet that we respect you in harmony more than any church leaders we've ever met before. We're so privileged that the Lord put you in Belfast and called you to Ireland and we love you dearly. And um, we are so for you and behind you and so grateful. Uh, most of you have no idea what it has cost and in harmony to do what they do and be who they are. Um, we are so grateful for you and we are so thankful. Would you thank Annie and Harmony? There are some moments that just matter more than others. That's just life. And um, I've been saying it for weeks, hoping it was true, <laughs> that this weekend was going to be one of those moments. And um, I'm, I'm convinced that even just tonight, not <laughs> yesterday in the account, just tonight, I'm probably going to sit with that podcast for about four weeks. Um, what an amazing time to follow Jesus in this place. And um, I hope and pray you're as excited as we are. Um, a little bit scared, but that's normal. Um, but it's amazing to get to do this thing with, with all of you. So uh, please don't feel like you have to rush off. We thought it was appropriate to actually just, rather than just kind of play our way out and you just kind of slip off, we've just kind of stop and take a moment before we all have to rush off and um, have a chat or a hug. Or if you need to pray, we can do that too. But uh, we're going we're gonna to finish there. The guys maybe continue to play a little bit, but, uh, but we're done. And um, thanks so much for being a part of this and for giving yourself so fully to everything. Uh, we're really, really grateful, and we will see you all next uh, weekend, Sunday morning. Thanks.